Thank you so much for joining us for Ankeny Gospel Church Podcast. On this podcast, you can find sermons, classes, and other resources that continue to invite us into the mission of Jesus and the journey of faith. We hope this is a blessing to you, and if we can help you in any way, feel free to reach out. Thank you, Dylan. Appreciate that. Everyone, hope you're having a wonderful morning this morning. We are going to start by talking about what is probably in your top five for movies of all time. And I'm obviously talking about Sonic the Hedgehog. No, that wasn't probably on your list. We, we did watch that movie this week, and one of the main characters in the book, or in the movie, he lived in a small town as a police officer and dreamed of working in San Francisco. He wanted to save lives by going to the big city. His small town was not a big enough purpose for him. He needed something bigger. Or think of one of my favorite books, Robinson Crusoe. Anyone read Robinson Crusoe? Thank you, a few of you. It's amazing. Everyone should read it. It's about a guy that when he's young, he feels like he needs to do something bigger. Something, he needs to make more money and travel the world and do those things. And so he disobeys his parents and ends up on a deserted island for 40 years. Fantastic book, you should read it. The 40 years sounds boring, but it's really not. It's really good. The point is, movie after movie, book after book, kind of have the same theme. What is my purpose? What am I here for? Why am I going through this? What's my destiny? Does this hardship have a purpose? The question is haunting. No one can escape that question. Even when we have success and get what we want, it's hollow. The joy turns out to be fleeting. That's why you see a lot of movie stars that they finally get famous and they're more miserable than ever because they had this goal, this mission that they were going to do and they find out when they get it that they're still themselves. People turn to hobbies or things or status or pleasure or any number of other things to find the answer to that. Why? Why does this question haunt us? Does it plague us? Well, we were created to be in relationship with God. That's what we were created to be. And then we broke that. We messed that up. Purpose. At this, in this series, we've been talking about the vision of AGC, but I want to dare to ask, is it also the purpose of each of us? Three purposes, actually. Anyone remember the words? I think Parker said them enough. We seek the presence of God. Presence. We want to be with God. That is one of our purposes. The second is we are formed into the image of Jesus. We want to be like Jesus. A second mission, purpose for each of us. And the third is to live on mission for the renewal of our city. Third purpose. We, we need all three. Those are not just visions for our church. Those are purposes for each and every one of us in the context, in your job, in your school, in your home, in your heartache. All of them, all three. Remember, we have to have all three because if we had presence and mission without formation, 
we would be shallow, shallow servants, brainless zealots. We would have no depth whatsoever because we weren't being formed. If we were, had presence and formation without mission, we'd be spiritual selfishness, we'd have holy huddles, and we would have no impact on the world. If we had formation and mission without presence, it'd be cynical evangelism, obligated mission, since we don't have God. We'd have no life without the presence of Jesus. You must have all three. We spent the last few weeks going through these three things, so this is our last one, and today we're talking about mission. God has given us a mission. So what is a mission? Really technical description, it's an assignment to be carried out. That's what it is. Whereas presence deals primarily with our relationship with Christ, just between the two of us. Formation is Christ working in us, changing us, Mission goes to the world. Mission goes out to others. This morning, as I was preparing for this, I was at the coffee shop and I was listening to a song and the song said, what about us? I think that's the name of the song, I don't know. But it's a famous song, you've probably heard it. And it's what about us, what about us? The world is saying, what about us? Third week, we're going to answer what about us? To understand this, we are turning to 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21, and we're basically just going to walk right through it and, and talk about it. So read with me, starting at verse 16. From now on then, we do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Even if we have known Christ from a worldly perspective, yet we no longer know him this way. We, I, I was dumbfounded when I read this verse. I didn't even realize it was in the Bible, actually, and that sounds terrible for a pastor to say that, but you, I, didn't, I didn't recognize this verse. We do not know anyone from a worldly perspective. Can you say that is true of you? Two ways to know someone, worldly perspective or a spiritual perspective. Which way do you know everyone around you? Is it only the worldly perspective where it's what they did to you or what they didn't do to you, what's wrong with them or what they can get you, whether they annoy you or break the social rules that everyone else obviously knows? Is that how you see other people? God calls us to abandon that perspective. We no longer look at one another from a worldly perspective. We are not to look at each other as a worldly perspective. He calls us to something different, to see people from his perspective. Verse 17 says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and see the new has come. Either a person is a soul, that a body, a person that God has redeemed, or it's a person that hasn't yet had been redeemed. They haven't yet taken that step. It's anyone in Christ, anyone. This mission that we're going to talk about is not, is not just for pastors or deacons or small group leaders. It's for absolutely everyone in this room in every circumstance. You're supposed to look at yourself that way. 
If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed and the new has come. Your old self has died. It is no longer. The old self of looking at everyone from a worldly perspective is no longer. You are to choose day in, day out to see yourself as a new creation. Verse 18 says, Everything is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Before we can get to our mission, we must understand our own status. Who has reconciled us to himself. According to the, this verse, what did we do? Which, which part of this talks about what we did? Nothing. We didn't. We didn't do anything. Christ is the one that reconciled us to himself. We can't boast. The world thinks of Christians, thinks Christians are arrogant with our knowledge of truth, or we think we have our knowledge of truth from their perspective, but they miss it. You can't boast about being rescued. When's the last time you heard someone like fall off a bridge or something, and they're floating down the river and they get rescued, and then they're like boasting about that, right? I would not tell anyone, hey, I fell off a bridge. You know, you don't do that. You might boast in the rescuer. Hopefully you boast and say, look at what they did. I wouldn't be alive. But they're not gonna say, man, I'm so amazing. I fell off a bridge, right? And yet that's how the world sees us. They see us as arrogant and those things because they don't see the humility that Christ, it takes to come to Christ. That it takes, it takes absolutely, I am without hope. I fell off the bridge. I'm in these rapids about to go off a waterfall. I have no other option unless someone saves me. And that is what Christ does. You can't boast. You can't boast in that situation. 1 Corinthians 1 says this, brothers and sisters, consider your calling. Not many were wise from a human perspective, not many powerful, not many of noble birth. Instead, God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something, so that no one may boast in his presence. It is from him that you are in Christ Jesus, who became your wisdom for us, he became our righteousness, our sanctification, our redemption, in order that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. If anything, what does this verse say? We're foolish in the eyes of the world. We're not of noble birth, not many too powerful. If anything, we should be more humbled by that. If we are to take on the mission it is imperative that we know how we got there, and it wasn't by us. We didn't do anything. This mission that we are given is not because we were something really special. Well, we were special to him, but it's not that we earned it. He gave it to us. It is an honor, not an obligation. You can go on mission as an obligation, and you will burn yourself out and feel miserable. Or you can look at it as God is honoring us for reasons I don't deserve, I'm still, he's still using me. 
He's choosing to use me. It's not by our own effort. Romans 8.15 says, For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you have received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Have you ever been to an adoption? It's an amazing experience. What did the child do in that situation? Nothing. They didn't do anything. First, they were not of the family, and then a declaration is made, and boom, of the family. Forever. That's how it works. A beautiful, beautiful picture of what Christ has done for us. We have to know where we come from. We are a new creation that wasn't earned, it was given. And we have to know, Jesus knows your deepest, darkest secrets. Everything that you've tried to hide to everyone around you your whole life. He knows that. And yet, he simultaneously loves you beyond anything you can imagine to the fullest extent possible and beyond. He reconciled what has been broken, which is our relationship with him. So he, he has reconciled us to himself. So what is our mission? 2 Corinthians 5.18 tells us, everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. I love that terminology. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them. And he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. So God has reconciled us to himself, taken what is broken and mended it. And then he says... Now I'm giving you that mission. He has given us the message of reconciliation. Not the reconciliation itself, that is of Christ, but the message. What better people to bring the good news of being reconciled than those who have been reconciled? If you've fallen off the bridge and then you're telling people, hey, you've fallen off the bridge and we're gonna, what better person? You can't say I'm better than you, I fell off the bridge first right? What better person? Have you ever wondered about what your purpose is? Wondered why you're here? Wondered why you have hardship or joy or persecution or job or your family? I can tell you this, you have none of those things for a worldly reason. You don't look at them as a wor from a worldly perspective, but from a spiritual perspective. You are far, far too valuable you are far too valuable to be known and for only the worldly perspective. You're far too valuable for your purpose to just be this worldly making of money or giving yourself good things. You're far too valuable for that. Your purpose for each of those things extends beyond this worldly thing. Without Christ, we have no purpose, but with Christ, everything is redeemed for your purpose. Your purpose goes, extends to your smallest actions. 
it's not just a one-time thing. It's every moment of every day. We get to the main, the main point, verse 20. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. We plead on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Our message is simple. Our role is clear. What is an ambassador? He just called us ambassadors. What are ambassadors? What do they do? Well, they live full time in another country. That's interesting. Are we of this country? Or are we of a greater country? Which way does your life reflect? Are you more a United States citizen or a citizen of heaven? Which one has more impact on your day to day? An ambassador is on a mission of peace, not of war. They go to bring reconciliation between countries, not of war. The, the world would want us for war. The world will want us for war. They continue to send those messages of us versus them. We're going into the political season. Who's excited about that, huh? No one, that's right. We are ambassadors of peace. Ambassadors leave what is un- or love, leave what is comfortable for what is uncomfortable. They leave the country where everyone speaks the same language. They have the same culture, kind of like this church, right? We have the same. We kind of have some of those same characteristics. We'll say the same things after a while. We have to leave that and go to a different country where they don't speak the same language. They don't do the same things. They don't act the same way. It's uncomfortable. That's what ambassadors do. I mentioned this, but an ambassador is an honor, not a burden. And they live every moment of every day as a representative of their real country. Which way, what does your every moment say about your country? Listen to the words of Mahatma Gandhi. I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. Isn't that horrible? He's been hanging around the wrong ambassadors. That is not that is not the view we want to ha- the world to have. Every moment of every day, you are an ambassador. The rest of the world knows the United States for good or for ill, depending on what country you go to. And based on what? It's based on the actions of the people they know from that country. Could be a president, could be a person that vacationed, form this opinion of an entire country. We do the same. We form an entire, uh, an entire opinion about a whole people based on our view of China, based on our view of Iran, based on our view of Great Britain, whatever. 
We, form, we, we just take and generalize all of it. We're doing the same thing. The ambassadors that we know, the ones that we see on TV or whatever, have formed our opinion on that country and we do the exact same thing. Our careless words are ascribed to our king. Our thoughtless actions are ascribed to Christ. Brothers and sisters, we must set aside our old ways. We must set aside our desires to put people on one side or the other. Well, you're either for me or you're against me. You're on this side or this side. That's how the world wants us to look at things. Embrace your role as an ambassador. Live a life of intention every moment of every day. And I know that's hard. That's exhausting. It sounds like a living sacrifice, right? Sounds like Romans 12, which we talked about last week. So how do we fulfill this role? We do, it's pretty, it says earlier, be reconciled with God. That's our message. Well, how do we share that message? Yes, with words, but it's more than that. Paul talks, Paul continues in chapter six about this mission of reconciliation. Look at this text. Is it up? I don't know if it's up there. Not up there. We are not, listen carefully then, right? It's gonna be great. We are not giving anyone an occasion for offense so that the ministry of reconciliation will not be blamed. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything. We commend our ministry of reconciliation in everything by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, as unrecognized, as dying yet see we live, as being disciplined yet not killed, as grieving yet always rejoicing, as poor yet enriching many, as having nothing yet possessing everything. That is a very long list. 29 things, to be exact. And one of them is words. Words are a very important part of our mission. He used words, be reconciled to God. Right? That's, what he, that's our core mission, but we do that through our words and through literally everything else. Can you think of much that doesn't fall under that list? Hardship, love, purity. I can't think of much. Paul says everything we do, it, does it, it commends our ministry of reconciliation or it takes away from it? Everything. Jesus wants all of us, always has. He doesn't just want Sundays. He doesn't want a little part of our income, a few seconds before a meal, nor leftover time after a work day. Not just the good things, not just the hard things. He wants absolutely all of us. You can see it. Read the Gospels. He says it over and over again. I want all of you. Not part. 
He's not going to be Lord of just a little part of your life. If Jesus is your Lord, then he's the Lord of all of it. All of it. An ambassador is an ambassador every day until we get called back to our country. Ambassadors are chosen and then they're sent to another country and they come back. It gives me great comfort. My dad um, passed away about a month ago and he was an ambassador and now he's just called back. His assignment has ended. He's passed it over the ambassadorship to a bunch of other people, including us in this room, and he now is with his king in his home country. I hope that each of us can live as ambassadors all the way until the end. We have a mission to plead with others, be reconciled to God. Reconciliation implies brokenness. But that is our mission. Doesn't matter if you're young or old, if you have a job, if you're a kid, if you're employed, if you're able-bodied, if you're of any race or origin, same message through absolutely everything you do. You represent Christ. Now, I have a few words of caution. The world doesn't want that. The world wants something bigger than the reconciliation and peace. They want war. Look at all the Twitter posts or anything. It's always getting someone on my side or this side or creating sides. Somehow trying to get people to say, well, this side is obviously smart and this side is obviously not. All the political ads, that's all they're doing. Creating an army. An army of, for war. That's not reconciliation. That's dividing. That's pulling things apart. It's not bringing them together. I'm going to give you some examples. Now, actually, before I do that, reconciliation with God is reconciling two very different terms. Justice, the justice of terrible things. Justice must be served. And love. Both. For until Jesus came, they got glimpses of what that reconciliation looked like. Glimpses through sacrifices and things like that. But until he came, there was not an all-encompassing, effective answer to those two things. How can a God be just and loving? How can he be both? It has to be, but how? It doesn't make any sense until Jesus came and paid it for us. He took the wrath and the justice that we deserve for our many, many actions so that we may be loved, so that we can be reconciled. We have been given that. We are to help reconcile. Let's give a few examples of that. Let's talk about substance abuse, alcohol or drugs. It's easy to sit on the sideline and condemn someone for their use of a substance. Or, that would be the justice side, right? Or it's easy to ignore them, pretend that they're not there. It is much harder to encourage them towards Jesus while lovingly holding the vomit bucket. We're to be that close. 
Think of those with sexual struggles. We could either condemn them, we could do that, that's easy. We could pretend it doesn't happen, also easy. It's really hard to help people move away from their addiction while loving them through it. You know, long ago, I'll give you a personal example. It's interesting, I, um, worked, at a, I worked at an office and one of my um, closest co- coworkers was a lesbian. She is, I guess I should say. She was fantastic. We had an amazing time together. Awesome. Lots of fun. But guess what? I went over and watched a football game. Lindsay and I went over for dinner, and eventually, you know what she said to me? She said, no other Christian has ever, ever come into my home. No one has ever watched a football game with me. No one has ever, from a Christian perspective, loved me. It's a lot easier to stand on the sidelines and condemn people. It's a lot easier when you don't know somebody to point your finger and say, how dare you? You're a terrible person. And pick pick anything. It's easy to do that. It's really hard to do both. To say this is what scripture says lovingly at a certain time. I'm not saying you just go out there and throw it at somebody and love them at the same time. It's hard. Are you uncomfortable yet? What about abortion? It's really easy to say the fetus isn't a baby. It's easy to say a woman's body doesn't matter. It's really, really hard to call people to holiness when both the mother and child have no support network, no money, no future. Are we standing on the sidelines? Are we involved? Do we make opinions about other people and when we know nothing of their life circumstances? Are we quick to point the finger and say, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. That may be. Jesus did that sometimes. But more often, he loved people through it. I don't think we should point our finger at anyone. I don't think we should even state our opinion. If we're not in relationship with the person, what good is it? condemning them more and more and more for all the people that sit on a different side than you? What, where do we stand? Or what about the poor? It's easy to assume it's their fault or it's easy to just feel bad for them from a distance. It's really hard to walk beside them thick through thick and thin to be beside them and have to make tough decisions. Do I help in this situation? Do I not help in this situation? You can avoid that by doing nothing. You can sit on the sideline and have nothing to do with people that have no resources, or you can be involved. And I know you can't be involved in all of these. That's why we're a church, one body with many members. We, We do that all together. We can't do all of this, but you can do some of it in the context that you are in. You can love people that are struggling, that are poor. I can go on and on. The point is, ambassadorship is hard. It is not easy. What is easier is to spout our mouth off from the corner, and I've done it. I'm not picking on anyone but myself. It's much easier to develop a cold disgust for other people because they're over there. That's easy. 
It's, it's easy to pick on another country. It's, it's easy to pick another nationality and pick on them and, and, and come up with opinions. If you don't know them and you don't love them, that's easy. The hard part is to get into the messy middle of people's lives, and that is what God calls us to do. An ambassador doesn't go to another country and then sit on the sidelines. They're working. They're actively working in that country, loving people through a message of peace and reconciliation. That is what God has for us. Jesus showed us how to do that. He came down into our garbage down here after being in heaven, by the way. Can you imagine the shock, culture shock of that? To deal with our pain and our sin and to reconcile us to himself. He's, he's already done that. He condescended down to be with us in order to save us. There is one difference between an earthly ambassador and a heavenly ambassador. An earthly ambassador has to kind of earn their position. They're chosen based on merit. We are not. He did all the work for us and then says, hey, now you're an ambassador. You don't earn it. You don't get your spot on the team. He just gives it to you. And that is comforting. He's going to help you through all of it. He'll help you. He'll help you figure out how to be in the messy middle. Each of those things. This, this series, we taught three principles. Presence, formation, and mission. And we did it in that order for a reason. First, we go to God's presence. Second, we are formed. And these all happen simultaneously. But the importance, we have to go to Jesus we're formed into Jesus, and then we go out on mission. Will you be an ambassador where you are today? At school, work, home, or will you not? I'm going to give you a few reflection questions to think about, and we're going to stay in silence before we go into uh, communion here for a moment. Am I acting more as a citizen of my heavenly country or my earthly country? Which one has a bigger impact? Where is my life inconsistent with his ambassadorship? Or you want something really, you want a question to ask yourself every day, on behalf of Christ, who could I love today? He's given us that. He's given us a job, a mission. Who can I love on behalf of Christ today? I'm going to pray, and then we'll um, stay in silence for a minute, and then Parker will lead us through communion. Dear Jesus, I'm so thankful that you rescued us. I'm so thankful that you have reconciled us. For those that have believed in your name, Lord, you have taken us from death to life and given us and made us a new creation. And now, Lord, you've given us a role. You've given us the, uh, you've made us ambassadors, God. So please give us the strength to do that. Give us the fuel to do that built in the relationship that we have in you and change our hearts, change our actions and our intentions today, Lord. Amen. Thanks again for listening, and we pray this was a blessing to you. If you have any questions or comments about what you heard, our email is info at or you can find us on social media at Gospel. Mm-hmm.